0: Good morning, Morning. baptism is what we're talking about this morning and yesterday there was a baptism at the building so I had them leave the water in the baptistry because if we're going to talk about water it's nice to have water there to see right Uh, but I need to kind of make a statement to those of you who like me maybe grew up in churches of Christ before we get into the rest of the lesson. And it's a little bit uncomfortable. A little bit of critique and a little bit of confession. We almost lost it with baptism. Because we turned it into a legal thing and we fought about it so much. And we missed a lot of the richness. Imagine this situation, to use a little bit of an analogy. Man's wearing a suit, kneels down on one knee and pulls out of his pocket a little velvet box, and opens it up and says to his bride-to-be, sweetheart, would you marry me? And she looks at the ring, a beautiful two-carat diamond, 24-carat white gold, expensive, beautiful ring, and she says, which finger do you want me to wear it on? And in the wedding ceremony, do, we, do you think I should put the ring on before the vows or after the vows? before the kiss or after the kiss. Because my family has argued about this for a long time. Imagine how confused the husband would be. He's trying to give her this beautiful symbol of his love, this very, the value of it, the, the monetary value of it, the symbolism of it, what it represents in terms of his love. And she goes, I'm not sure because all I've heard about is the arguing about this ring. Well, I didn't have a two-carat diamond to give Michiko when we got married, but I did give her a pink diamond, which was a little bit unique and rare, and I had worked with a spy for a while to, f- to find out which ring she wanted uh, without her knowing, and then we bought that ring and had it resized, and then it was the wrong size and had to resize it again. And when I gave it to Michiko, her reaction was not, well, let me think about it. What do you think rings are all about, and when should I put it on? What she focused on was what it represented in terms of the love from me to her. We've done that a little bit with baptism. So what I want to talk about this morning is not um, the function of baptism so much. There's lots of information. You can go back and find that. But I want to talk about how baptism ties us into a larger story. Okay? Okay. Second thing to start with, I'm in a study program right now in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, We're studying Christian theology together, and there's a Jewish rabbi in the group. And he brings a lot of interesting things to the discussion. Uh, A lot of conversations turn uh, when we start talking about, say, the Trinity, for example. He says, "Mm, I have a question, and uh, interrupts the discussion to ask questions uh, from his perspective as a Jewish person. But he told a story one time. He said, when they have a bar mitzvah, so you're familiar with bar mitzvahs, right? It's the Jewish coming of age, entering into the covenant community ceremony. And technically, a bar mitzvah is the person. It's not the event. And it means the son of the commandment. Bar is son, mitzvah is the commandment. Or if it's a bat mitzvah, it's the daughter of the commandment. And it's the time when that child comes of age and enters fully into being a child of the commandment. He said when they have a bar mitzvah, they have everybody at the event line up around the room from the oldest person in the room down to the bar mitzvah himself, the person receiving, uh, who's kind of the focus of the event. And they tell the story of Moses, and they say at Mount Sinai, God gave the law to Moses, gave us the Torah. And then Moses handed it down to Joshua, who handed it down to the judges, to to the people of of Israel. And they go on and they tell the entire story of Israel down to today. And then the oldest person of the room is holding a physical copy of the Torah. And in their tradition, it's handwritten, the entire Old Testament, handwritten on vellum, on parchment, on animal skin, in a scroll. And then the oldest person in the room hands it to the next person, and they hand it down and they hand it down and they hand it down until they give it, give it to this 13-year-old boy and say, and now the law that was passed to Moses by God has come down through the generations as being entrusted to you. And that's how they enter into covenant community. What have we been given? The law is ours but Paul tells us we're not subject to the law in the same way because the law was fulfilled. Christ made it complete. He, he, he finished the work of the law. So what, what symbol do we have? We have this water. And everyone here who's a Christian has been baptized. It's part of our story. And I'm going to get to the ancient story in a minute, but right now we have a video of some of this community's stories. Uh, I was baptized midnight, January twenty second, nineteen eighty three. I was baptized in grade seven. Fifteen? I was nineteen years old. I was twenty five. I think I was like 17. 42 43 years old. I was sixteen. Sixteen, I think I think I was also fifteen or sixteen. I was fourteen. I was Seventeen. Maybe between 10 and 13. Oh, oh, well, I've been thinking about it for a long time. And I was just thinking about it a lot during that time, and um, just reading my Bible a lot. And These Christian brothers came to the house, and um, we studied the Bible together. And I wanted God's presence in, in my life. Refablish uh, of my soul. I just decided that it was something I needed to do. If you're convicted and you need to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, let's go get, let's go do this now. And, and the lead singer uh, was talking about certain things that just really affected me that time, and I just, yeah. Then after that, I just really felt like it was time for me to do. And then I'd be too scared because I thought I wasn't perfect enough. That classic thing. Coming from being a child to being an adult, and Now I'm making some decisions for myself. And so and then I knew this was right. This was something that I needed to do. I'm going to go die now. And then so like the entire night I like spent it praying to God because it was like, I'm going to die. Like after that night I was like, well, I would like to be baptized. But my parents weren't part of the church and they didn't really appreciate or understand the importance of baptism. But after a year of working on them and convincing them and teaching them and Telling them how important it was to me, they did allow me to that. So my parents shipped me out to a place that they thought would be good for me because I was going down the wrong path at home. Uh, something in my head that says, yeah, it's time you did this way. My dad was blubbering the entire time. <laughs> I almost slipped on the mud when I stepped into the river. The river was a little bit big. I was was scary. <laughs> I never met, met this guy before, uh, and he baptized me as Bob McQuay. <laughs> I was very excited that a lot of my family came. They were all at my baptism when I was a baby, and um, and then they all came to this baptism. And then I feel free. Ease that I felt after the baptism that. I can never forget. It's uh, been the most important decision of my life, and I never have regretted it. It's got me through everything every day since. As soon as I was dunked into the tank, um, I opened my eyes in the water, mm-hmm. and I saw this this white light just cut, just just coming down on, on, on me, mm-hmm. and uh, and then um, I rose from the water. And it was gone, and like I, I felt his presence in, in me. I just love God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and it it just means everything to me. So, what themes did you hear? Some of the motifs in people's stories. And I can ask this and you can answer back because we didn't have class time today, so we'll just import some of that. What'd you hear? One word answers are okay. Thanksgiving, okay? What else? Say it again Necessity. It's something I needed to do. I heard that phrase. Yeah, what else? Presence. presence. Talking about God's presence. Okay. What else? The right thing to do. Right thing to do. It's an appropriate action. Teaching. Teaching. And also getting kicked out of the house. <laughs> Wayne. <laughs> and changing your name. Life-changing events. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Choice. Choice. Did you say choice or joy? Choice. Choice. Yes. Choice. And joy. Rejoicing. Being touched by the Spirit. Big decision. decision. Some fear. Uh, Dari said something that I'm going to... Talk about, actually the whole rest of the sermon is really about what Dari said. He said he's a little bit afraid because the water was deep. Uh, and that's a theme. There is some fear, right? Fear of, fear of not being baptized. Uh, Oren was talking about death, you know, and, and kind of contemplating on mortality. And then a fear of, what does it mean to make this huge of a commitment? Okay, yes. Acknowledgement. Meaning, being acknowledging, acknowledging, right, uh, Christ, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and also being acknowledged as a member of a community, right? There's both, both sides of that. So, why water? And why this immersion into water? Like, what happens in baptism? I go into this whether it's a river or a lake or a Baptist tree and someone else holds me and lowers me down under the water, immerses me, submerses me in the water and then someone else lifts me up out of the water. And when Paul talks about it, he talks about that as participating with a death like Christ and a resurrection like Christ. Christ. I'm going to read a passage from the Bible and let's, I want to see if you know where it comes from. So Bible quiz in my, and if you're in the first service, no cheating. If you just happen to be here in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths into the very heart of the seas. And the current swirled about me, all your waves and your breakers, they swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me forever. But you, Lord my God, brought brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Anybody name where that's coming from? By the way, Bruce, this is really hot. Maybe bring it down just a bit or out of the monitors or something. Jonah. Extra points to the Nichols family. Good job. It's from the book of Jonah. So this is the psalm that Jonah prays when he is down in the water and God has sent the fish. You know, I grew up thinking the fish was the punishment, right? The fish is the rescue. The fish grabs, Jonah has just basically committed suicide. They're on the seas, everything's in turmoil. He jumps into the water to rescue the rest of the sailors and God rescues him with the fish and brings him up, up out of the depths. In how many days? Three days. You hear some links to some other stories about death and coming up and rescue and resurrection. Water is about cleansing. That's part of it. Right now it's raining and if you had camping plans, sorry, but for everyone else and the land itself, we're grateful for the rain right now. Water gives us life. Uh, water gives us enjoyment we we took our family we had the kids had the day off on friday so we went to Bamp hot springs and we're enjoying you know japanese people we love hot springs right they're different in canada you wear clothes here and everybody sits and faces each other which is really awkward right so nobody knows like have you been to Bamp hot springs you sit there in this kind of circular kidney-shaped pool what do you do with your eyes nobody's swimming you're just sitting on the edge like looking down where can you look but there was a lady getting into the water who was terrified of the water and it was a big deal for her to lower down in the water we kind of moved our kids away because i thought she was going to lash out and maybe sweep one of them into the water too that's another piece of what the water imagery is about and maybe a more prevalent piece in terms of scripture There's the cleansing, yes, but the way Paul links it and the way it's linked to the rest of scripture is water is death. I've seen that firsthand and I debated about whether to put some slides up here of what water can look like when it represents all chaos and destruction and death. But I couldn't find another image, visual image to counter that. It would have overwhelmed the sermon. When the tsunami hit Japan, it wasn't, a, it wasn't clear ocean waters gently flooding. It was a roaring black mass of metal and wood and debris and there was fire on top of the water and the water came in and knocked things down and sucked them back out and then did it again and again and again and again. And some of the places not far from where we lived, were up to 30 meters high. Do you think about how, how powerful running, fast running water is when it's just knee deep? Then you think about that taller than this roof. That was the destructive power of the water. When you drive into the town where we lived, there were, on either side of the road, there were... Um, they had stacked cars that they had collected from the debris cuz they were sorting everything out they were four cars wide and six cars deep for several hundred meters on both sides of the road that were these destroyed cars and they were crushed down to the chassis of the car it looked like the cars had been through a compactor but the only thing that had done that was the flood and that was the first time that it hit me if you were in that water it doesn't matter if you can swim or not that's not the problem when the waters are out of control, when you're in the chaos of the abyss, it's crushing. It tears everything apart. It crushes everything down. It destroys everything. There's that imagery of water, and that imagery of water runs all the way through the story of the Bible. So let's start over here in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was tohu bohu. It was like a formless void. And darkness was over the waters. And the word there, it's the waters is not, it's not a peaceful, this is not a serene lake. It's the chaos of the abyss. It's this primeval thing of, this is all the gods of death that you might fear if you're an ancient person are represented in the the chaos of the abyss, right? But, what's the statement? But, we always translate it and, but it should be a but with a big exclamation part. Exclamation point. The spirit of the Lord was where? Hovering over the water. So there's this statement right off the bat that our God is more powerful than the things that you fear most. Okay? Then if you read on in Genesis, I love this, it's amazing. God does what? First, he takes care of the darkness, creates light and and puts the lights out, right, up. And then he takes care of the water. He subdues it. He takes the water, he splits it, puts the sky in between so you have the waters of the heavens and the waters below. And then he splits it again and gathers it up into seas and what? Brings out dry land. And it's out of the dry land that the life starts to come up. Okay? Okay. You go forward a few chapters, the story of Noah, everything has gone wrong. The people have kind of given themselves over to the ways of sin and death and chaos. God harnesses the water and unleashes it on them. The water comes back up from the ground. The water comes down from the sky and he cleanses the earth, baptizes the earth. But on the top, he leaves an ark and in it he has a remnant, he has his people that are his, going to be uh, kind of his dwelling place, right? Go forward a bit more. The Israelites have been uh, captive now in e- Egypt, right? And Moses is called to lead the people out of Egypt. There's, there's something that I missed in the first service that I wish I had said. In, in Exodus 12 to 15, in this, this, uh, these few chapters here, Exodus 12 is the giving of the Passover, Right, the Passover lamb. They slaughter the lamb. They put the blood on the up on the doorposts, and then Exodus 14. They finally they cross the Red Sea. For us, that's Lord's Supper and baptism. Those are the roots of the of the rites that we have, of the rituals that we have, and they're tied together very closely. There. Right, the Passover was the the precursor to the Lord's Supper, the parting of the waters. Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 10. Paul. Paul says that the people were baptized into Moses at the cloud and the crossing of the sea. But you get to the, the Red Sea. They've come out of Egypt. You get to the sea. And here behind them, here's coming the army, right? The Egyptian army. Death is behind them. God walls it off, separates them, protects them for the night. And they're, what in front of them? The sea. Death again. And God tells Moses to do what? Okay, I asked this in the first service, and an eight-year-old boy answered the question. Raise his, Raise his staff. Stretch out your hands over the water. Same symbol again. Stretch out your hands over the water and the people and I'll make a way for the people to cross through. The water's part, and what's there? Dry ground, life, and freedom. Right? This he's setting the people free. They cross through the waters to freedom. They cross through to life. And then God lets the waters go, and the water is death for the Egyptian army. Right? So there's this cosmic struggle going on between God and the thing that we fear—you know, death—and represented by the water. Then we got—we read Jonah a minute ago, right? Jonah casts himself into the sea, and then he's rescued and pulled it back up, and and it ends with. Um, The Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Again, you have these recurring little phrases. Water, something over the water, dry land, life. Then you get to Jesus. Jesus is, oh, no, no, I missed one. Uh, Before Jonah came, Joshua. Right? Moses, there's a generation that's not allowed to get into the promised land because they sin. Moses also not allowed to. So he has to stay up on the mountain and watch what's going on. But Joshua leads the people to the edge of the Jordan River when? Do you remember what season it was? It's harvest season and it's always flooding at harvest season. So they have to cross the Jordan River when it's flooding. You've had some experience with that here, right? A few years ago with a river flooding that's not a good time to cross a river it's dangerous it's terrifying and my guess is the waters that were roaring through here were not the pretty green waters that go through the bow most of the time right it was probably again that black loud scary thing right so here the here the israelites come up to the edge of it and what's god's command they're carrying the ark of the covenant god's presence and what's his command to the priests Go and wade out into the water. That's an insane command at flood time for a river. He's saying, You better believe in me when you step into that water. And I'm going to say the same thing I did back at the creation that the thing that you fear most, represented by the chaos of that water, I have power over. Now get in it. And what happens? When they step in, their feet land on dry ground. The water on one side washes away, the other side heaps up. Right? God parts the water, lets them pass through on dry ground. Life, this time to a community, to a place, to identity. He gives them these things. Jesus. John is baptizing. John the Baptist is baptizing people for uh, repentance. But where is Jesus baptized? The Jordan River, same river. There's some significance there. Yeah, it's, also, it's the biggest river where they live, but it's also tied in their memory to this ancient story of crossing the Jordan, right? So they're, they're in the Jordan. That's where he's baptized. And then what are their stories of Jesus? He's asleep in the boat. The storms come up. The disciples are panicking, afraid of the power of the water and the wind and the storm. And Jesus says, shh, be still. And it calms. It's God, through Jesus, exerting his power over the things that we fear, right? Another time, the, the disciples are in the boat. A storm picks up, and here comes Jesus walking on the water. The, the $5 word for that is theophany. It means a God, God's appearing. God making himself known, right? Jesus definitely echoing Genesis 1. The spirit of the Lord over, over the deep. Jesus comes out walking on the water and then you have this interaction with Peter, right? Peter says, I'm coming, right? Jumps in. But Peter, where does Peter look? He, he focuses down. He focuses on the things, he, on, he, on what he fears, right? Instead of fixing his eyes on Jesus. Paul picks it up, and we just read the passage. I'm going to read the rest of, of this. This is from Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Do you hear these themes? Liberation, freedom, identity, new life, death and resurrection. It's the same themes that, that everything has been leading up to with God's victory over the things that we fear most represented by the chaos of the abyss, right? Of the deep. And Paul links it directly with baptism. Jesus goes into the grave. He's crucified. Then he goes into the grave and death can't hold him. It's God over the powers of death saying, I will not succumb to that. I will be victorious. I am more powerful than that. And the tomb is rolled away. And Christ is raised. And we have that as our bar mitzvah, kind of, right? This is the symbol that we've been given that's been handed down to us. So we're going to finish with this. Uh, I told you we start at Genesis, we go all the way through, so we'll go all the way to the end. Revelation. Revelation. I think the waters of baptism, there's a lot here. There is cleansing. Uh, There is function. It's about entering into, it's about repentance, and it's about being immersed into a new life. It's about entering into community. But it's also about this story about God being victorious over death and sin and disorder and chaos. So listen to this from Revelation. This is Revelation 20, uh, verse 11 to the first verse of 21. And what's happening here is everything that was kind of falling apart in Genesis in Revelation is being put back together and restored and consummated. It's the end of the story. It's a forecast for what the end of the story looks like when God makes everything right. So there's judgment. Satan is bound. Um, And all of the dead, so listen to this, I saw a great white throne. Christ is seated on the throne. So there's right rule, right reign of heavens and earth. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the the dead that were in them. Each person was judged according to what they had done. And then, then the dead, then, pardon me, death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Death itself dies. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And then this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away Anybody know the rest of the line? And there was no longer any sea. The end of the story that began way back there in Genesis when it says the darkness was over the deep, but the Spirit of the Lord hovered over that, when God is saying, the things that you fear most, death, sin, chaos, disorder, I am more powerful than those things. The forecast for our life is there will one day be a time when God does away with that completely. There will be no more sea. He says, all of the things that you represented, what you fear most, I will do away with those. Death and Hades themselves will die and the sea will be no more. To me, that's awfully rich imagery. This symbol that we've been given When we enter into this, we enter into that story. Uh, We're like the people stepping into the Jordan saying, or, or what Peter should have done, right? This is scary, but I fix my eyes on the one who I believe is even more powerful than this, and I surrender to that. And someone else lowers us in, into the grave, and by someone else's power, we are lifted up out of it to a new life. so i've heard lots of sermons end with uh, invitations and the, and the, the phrase the waters are ready well actually today the waters are ready and i do want to in- issue a kind of invitation when i proposed to michiko the proposal wasn't something on the fly and neither was her response because it was a covenant action and a commitment what I want to do this morning, we've kind of just laid out this this broad story that we have. It's an ancient story, and it's also a living community story, right? We heard some of our folks share their experiences with baptism. I want to invite you to tell your stories to each other. And if you're not baptized, then consider it. I can't think of a richer way to enter into the community, the covenant community, and for us... To become children not of the commandment, but children of grace. Let's pray. God, uh, we do come together today on a rainy day. And we are reminded that water gives life. That water is dangerous and takes life sometimes. uh, Like many things. And we look around us... um, we don't have to look far in our own families, in our own hearts. There is chaos. Uh, there is turmoil sometimes. We look into the city and we see uh, problems that sometimes seem insurmountable. And yet we're reminded that we're part of a community that puts our faith in you, who we believe you are above the powers of the deep. You are more powerful than that stuff. You can split the waters open and allow us to pass through unscathed on dry land, that out of all of that, you bring new life. Thank you that we have this as part of our heritage, that we have this gift. God, forgive us for taking mystery and turning it into explanation. Uh, Help us to be good um, receivers of the things that you give us and not just analyzers. God, I pray for all of us as a covenant people uh, that we live this proclamation uh, in our daily lives, not necessarily with our words, but our actions and our choices, that we are a people who believe that you are uh, more powerful than the things that we fear most and that we live accordingly. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.